the biggest story of the day, of course, um, the dismissal of Finance Minister Ntlantla Nene and his re- uh, the replacement with uh, David uh, Des van Royen, who uh, seems to be relatively unknown in these circles. But uh, please uh, help us make some sense of this move. Sure. You know, I, I wish I could. <laughs> you know, you know what came to mind last night that, that even the calendar after Monday and Tuesday says WTF, <laughs> and of course that stands for who's this finance minister. Um, so let's just get that straight. I think the most common reaction last night when the news broke um, was who is he? Um, why is this being done? And, and so on. And I think that for me is probably where some of the biggest concerns lie is not just that um, there was no real basis or proper basis for the firing of Minister Nene, but um, who he is being replaced with is a complete outsider, even it seems to, to, to many people within the ruling party. So, you know, to replace your most important ministerial position with someone that not only is relatively unknown, but also comes with very, very little inside knowledge of um, the finance um, ministry, of the, the budget, of the economy at such a crucial time just seems quite ludicrous. And, and then I guess most concerning for me is how this was done. Um, you know, markets like nothing more than certainty. Markets like to understand why things are being done and, and to do such a, um, a profound move and give absolutely no explanation for it, I think it's, it's, it's just completely, um, well, we saw the reaction in the rand. You know, I find myself really at a loss for words to try and explain this. Um, the, the strategic position that he's being moved to, I guess that's widely being speculated that it will be a move to, to the BRICS bank, but I almost want to say it doesn't really matter where he is moved to. What is, what is needed most in South Africa at the moment is somebody that, that can really steer our economic um, ship. There was, there was a lot of um, confidence in Minister Nene that he was able to do this during a very, very difficult time for the country, and I think there was a lot of expectation leading up to the budget statement in February, um, and I'm afraid now we find ourselves this morning quite rudderless and, and really sort of being um, swept from, from ship to shore um, by lots of strong headwinds and, and not quite sure how this is going to pan out over the coming days and weeks. Some would say that's a bit harsh, Narina. Um, uh, they would say that we should give uh, David Des van Royen an opportunity um, because, after all, he has a team around him. You know, the policy positions uh, will remain the same. So um, why don't we give him a chance to see what he's capable of? You know, I, I do. I agree with you, but I don't think you um, you do this at a time when this is so so crucial to actually ensure that you've got the continuity. Um, he comes in from outside of Treasury, so even though there might be a team in there, typically a new broom would want to come in and in um, and install his own team, have his own people around him, and this at a time when you really don't have the time to settle into something new. Um, you know, spare a thought this morning for um, for, for Kabezi Jonas, our deputy finance minister. Um, you know, there's, there's very little sign that there is any cohesion in terms of the new finance minister and the existing team that is there. And I think that is the concerning thing is that um, this was certainly widely unexpected, even within the most inner circles at Treasury. And it really does, uh, you know, National Treasury was one of the few institutions that truly was perceived to stand independent. And to appoint somebody from completely outside just seems to, to sort of fly in the face of that independence.
Well, Narina, um, and it seems as though all other news just fades into insignificance on the back of this. Uh, but we did have a very early release of inflation data yesterday. Uh, what were the key features of the November CPI number? Well, there was, there was sort of three contributions, I guess, that made up most of the 4.8% rise in the November CPI. The biggest contributions came from housing and utilities, which incorporates things like your electricity to, um, increases, your, your rates and taxes and so on. But then also insurance and then finally not unexpected food inflation, also a big contributory factor. Um, and, and what stands out for me in terms of that is that those first two, the housing and utilities and the insurance side of it, are both the administered price increases. So these, these things are largely um, free of exogenous influences, in other words, the impact that the RAND depreciation would have. Um, and, and that is really why it's something that is a lot more within our internal control in terms of maintaining inflation. Now, the Reserve Bank certainly expects um, inflation to breach 6% in the first quarter next year, and the risk is clearly on the upside due to the food inflation. Um, we spoke about the drought yesterday morning, but also about the, the electricity tariffs. And, and, of course, what happened to the land last night is going to have a direct bearing on, on inflation, and I think it's going to be very difficult for the MPC when they meet in January Unless things change dramatically from from current positions, I think they're going to find it very difficult not to increase interest rates again in January. Oh, as if, you know, it couldn't get any worse. But um, let's rather look at something else. We also saw the latest (laughs) retail sales data released yesterday, Narina. Please tell us, uh, is there some good news on this front, at least? (laughs) Well, well, at least this was better than expected, you know. (laughs) So, yes, there's some some good news in terms of that. You know, our retail sales figures have actually been remarkably resilient in the light of a a consumer under pressure. Um, And, 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 you know, once finds it almost difficult to understand why the retail sales figures have been so resilient when we look at the impact of, um, of certainly consumer spending and, and um, credit sort of extension control that has been exercised. I think one of the key reasons why we find that retail sales continue almost unabated is, is when we look at the size of our public sector wage bill, you know, when we had the midterm budget policy statement in October, we, we were certainly aware of the fact that that public sector wage will increase by dub- in double digits more than 10%. Now, that type of, of increase into um, a fairly high proportion of jobs in the country is very supportive of retail sales. And not only do we see this in the economic statistics then, but we also do see that many of our, our listed retail companies also have been producing results that were better than expected. So, um, you know, I think um, certainly what happened last night is going to overshadow a lot that's out there today. But we, we will have to try and find these good news stories to try and find the value in terms of what and how we, we operate with our markets today. But I must admit, all bets are off. It's going to be an interesting day on the markets to, to try and navigate uh, the choppy waters. And, of course, you'll be back to tell us all about it tomorrow morning. Thank you so much. Uh, Narina Fisser, strategist at ETFSA.